Hello, hello, and welcome to another smooth-sounding edition of Podcast Dark Elevation. I am your host, as always, Mr. Dirk Elevation, and guess what? I did it. I've got the recording equipment I need to sound just how you want me to sound. Those dulcet tones in your ears, courtesy of a USB microphone that I bought online. We've got another edition of Dark, another edition of Dark Elevation. We're going to talk about those. We might as well just go into it. We know, we both know what we're doing here, right? There's no point in lying to ourselves and pretending like there's some other reason we're here. We are going right into the action. I find that using this new microphone is making me sound more like a late-night DJ than I initially planned to, but hey, that's how we do it here. We, we go with what we've got. We start with, uh, by the way, these are all taped uh, in Cincinnati on last week's dyna- with last week's Dynamite. So you have 10 defeating Baron Black in 0 minutes and 47 seconds. We see Baron Black lose a lot. He doesn't usually lose in this short of an amount of time. Clearly, they're planning to make 10 a little bit more of a big deal, I would say, is what you could extrapolate from this. He lost, obviously, to Orange Cassidy. So he did, he was supposed to be facing Roosh, and he did face Roosh. And he didn't win, but neither did Roosh. OC came in at the last minute and gave the matchup a little bit of the juice it needed to become a true... A true star-studded affair, no offense to Ten or Rouge, but it also leaves the whole situation rather unresolved because we do not know if if Ten had lost to Rouge, he would say, well, maybe I'm better off joining the, uh, the Ignore, Ignore, ig- I, I gotta learn how to say that. They're here to stay, or at least Rouge is here to stay, so I gotta learn how to say Ignorables. That was close, but he he would he would have good reason to join if he lost, and Roosh won, and if he had won, he'd have good reason to think that Roosh is full of soup. But we stay exactly where we would be. Don't rock the boat. Keep the status quo. Roosh and Ten are exactly where they were going into the feud. I think it's good to give 10 extra wins, make him look extra strong. I don't know what they're going to do with his mask. He st- still seems to be playing with it a little bit. I don't I don't know if that's a sign that he's going to be losing it. He seems to be we seem to have forgotten pretty quickly that he was almost certainly going to lose his ma- mask about 2 weeks ago. I'm sure he has on some level uh, come to terms with the idea of going maskless but he also I mean without the mask he would pretty much just be Preston Vance I think at that point I I think it would be hard for him to 
you can be a, a masked man named Ten. You cannot just be a, a regular blonde-haired guy named Ten. That's a little more confusing. I think at that point he would just have to be Preston Vance. Also, I don't know if Sean Spears is back for a long time or if he was just a little bit of a Canadian treat when he was in town. But Sean Spears certainly likes to do the 10 thing. And if 10 also likes to do the 10 thing, they're going to have to... One of them is going to have to become 9.9. They can't both be 10. That sort of would go against the whole idea of perfect scores and 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 numbering. One of them, one of them should have to be nine point nine, or one of or maybe the win. Maybe they face off and the winner gets to be eleven. I you I don't know. Maybe that maybe they would they would then have to fight um, Millie Bobby Brown for that. Honor, Stranger Things, you guys. We it's very popular. It's a very popular thing to be referencing. I promise. Eddie Kingston and Ortiz defeat Russ Myers and T Money in a minute and fifty four seconds. Russ Myers and T Money didn't seem all thrown together the way that many of these tag teams do. They had some tandem offense. I like that. I like that they're together. I like that a, a guy named Russ Myers and a guy named T Money are friends. I. You, you you don't necessarily. I'm not saying that that they sh- they shouldn't be friends or that you would it would be unlikely, but it, I think I think it's nice that they have very different names. There's no name synergy, and they clearly have practiced together. Uh, good for, good for them. Eddie Kingston after the win continues to beat up on on these two fellas. And Ortiz pleads with him to stop. This happened also last week. And it is a callback to when he lost his match against Sammy Guevara because he would not stop fighting him after the fact. I I get the idea that, that they're, they're trying to paint Eddie as somebody who maybe is losing a little bit of control. He's, he's letting his anger get to him. But... It doesn't really work here because he was angry at Sammy Guevara for personal reasons. They had been fighting for a while. He had already thrown him off the top of a cage. There was a grudge there that made him blind to the rules of a wrestling match. What has T-Money done to Eddie Kingston? What has Russ Myers done to Eddie Kingston? I would guess nothing. I, I, maybe one of them owes him money. Maybe team team wouldn't be team money. Obviously, he's got plenty of money. It's in his name, uh, but maybe team money insulted uh, Eddie Kingston's uh, mother. Maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe they had a Twitter dispute. I can't say for certain, but they have not done a great job of helping me see why he would be so mad at team money and at Russ Myers to fight them after the bell. The way that he did Sammy Guevara, he's he he's never attacked uh, uh, Jericho like that. He did not attack. He attacked Punk before the bell, but that's just that's just strategically minded. So, I I would I would hope that we get to that soon and we get to it 
mostly a not on not dark uh, I, you, you put Eddie Kingston on a show if he's not going to be on the televised version because the the pe- the good people of Cincinnati love a, a, a Eddie Kingston but this his storyline him him starting to lose uh control if that's the way you're going to go with it I would like that to be on television Serena Deeb defeats Haley J in two minutes and one seconds. Uh, Serena Deeb got still waving a flag, still uh, this the flag and the and the robe said different things. The robe mentioned uh, uh, the woman of a thousand holds, I think, and the flag said the professor. Uh, flags and robes not what I usually associate with professors. If I I think we need to lean a little bit more into Serena Deeb's professorship, uh, Serena Deeb should have some elbow patches on her robe. Has anybody considered that? Has anybody considered uh, uh, giving her tenure? Um, maybe I, th- those are all the things I can think of about professors. I have two professors right now, and I can't even tell you anything else about them. The Blondes, Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison, defeated uh, the two non-Blondes, otherwise known as the Workhorsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, in in 5 minutes and 40 seconds. And like some other famous non-Blondes, I was watching this match saying, hey, what's going on? Because Brian Pillman Jr., really seemed like a star to me in a way that he has not up to this point. I don't know if it's that he grew because he grew his hair longer. I don't know if it's just something he is only going to be able to do in Cincinnati. I don't know if if he just has hit a new gear in his career. But Brian Pillman, uh, keep keep that up, keep that up, man, because because you seemed like more of a star than I've ever seen. I went into this match thinking, I like the Workhorsemen. I like them better than the Blondes to a significant degree. I know where this match is taking place. I know how the company values these two tag teams. And I was going to expect to be mad seeing Tony Henry and Just Dance Drake lose to the Blondes. And guess what? I, I was not even the slightest bit mad because the the crowd was so happy to see Brian Pillman. And I was happy, too, to see the way that Brian Pillman showed up. And I hope that he finds more, uh, more opportunities to do things like this. I think they, they clearly at one point they saw high things in Brian Pillman's future. I think about I think the last time they were in Cincinnati, uh, Brian Pillman defeated Max Caster in a match, which you you're not going to see that again. Uh, where they are right now, they they sort of did not move on that same trajectory. And then for any number of reasons, Pillman just became uninteresting. Was not a worthwhile focus of attention. For for a while there, and now maybe there's more of a spot for him than there was six months ago to 
be sort of an undercard babyface, a, a maybe like a like a similar role to where Dante Martin is. That could be a spot for for Brian Pillman. I don't know what you would do with Griff Garrison then. Griff Garrison is fine. I I I don't. <laughs> I don't feel one way or another about Griff Garrison. I liked him better when they started the Varsity Blondes, and then that sort of wore out. But maybe there's something for Griff Garrison to do down the line. It, it's hard to say for certain. But maybe Griff Garrison should talk a lot about what his hometown is, because then maybe he'll get a chance to look really cool in his hometown. Where in the world is Griff Garrison from, and can we get him some some help there? Can can we make him a hometown hero? I I, I hope he lives somewhere that's large enough to support a mid-sized arena. Because if not, then I'm sorry they're not gonna they're not gonna bring AEW to to wherever you live. In in West, tell them tell. Find out. Let's find out who's the mayor of Griff Garrison's hometown, and get them to build a large enough arena to support uh, an AEW show. Because that's that's the only way I see Griff Garrison uh, making any big jumps up up the card. Emi Sakura and Mei Saruga defeat Jay Lee and Nikki Victory. We've talked about Nikki Victory in the past and how there's problems with that name. Uh, Jay Lee is one one thull away from an already existing wrestler, so that that's that's another another name that I would see some some potential issues with in the future if what if they had to do a some sort of a mixed tag match between Jay Lee and Jay Lethal I mean Excalibur is very good at his job but don't put that extra work on him of 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 getting between those two names Emi Sakura Mesuruga I I think Mesuruga adds a little bit of a a little bit of an oomph to Emi Sakura that may otherwise be missing right now. Her quickness paired with Emi Sakura's power. They obviously because one trained the other, they have some similarities in their moveset. But the 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 fact that one when they're together, one of them becomes the quick one and one becomes the powerful one, I think m- makes them stand out, makes them a good tag team. That transformer move that they finished with. Holy moly, was that fun. Boy, did I enjoy watching that. I think it was the finish. If it wasn't the finish, that was a waste of time because nothing should have come after that move. And I hope we see more of them because I hope to see more of that cool move. Matt Hardy defeats Lord Crew in a minute and 44 seconds. The only thing I remember about Lord Crew is that I almost certainly made a joke about him being named after Lord and Taylor and J. Crew, his two favorite stores in the mall. 
not not many uh, other uh, wrestlers would have such a name, uh, except for maybe uh, the 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 well known indie wrestler Spencer's Jamba Juice. This this all right. This will be our reach out if you're listening. Question of the week: If you had to make your wrestling name based off of two stores in the mall, what which two stores would you would you use to make your name? Would you be a like a Claire Brookstone? Would you be a uh Hollister Gap? The 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 possibilities are endless and almost none of them will be good. But please, if you had to if you had to, let us know. And then finally, Claudio Castagnoli defeats QT Marshall in nine minutes and forty five seconds. This is great. This is fantastic. Everybody knows Claudio is great. QT is on that level where he holds his own in a great match with Claudio. The the crowd the crowd loves Claudio and at the same time they were almost having more fun booing QT than they were cheering for Claudio. That's how well QT does what he does. I don't even think I liked when QT was in matches at the beginning of the the uh, existence of of this program on the early episodes of Dark Elevation, which you should not listen to, uh, podcast Dark Elevation that is. I don't th- I don't think that I liked them very much. And um, look at this, QT has made a fool of me because he has become a perfect mid card heel. He he gets heat. He's not too showy. He's just the right amount of of competent doing the right thing. The crowd hates him. Even when he just comes down to the ring, he doesn't have to do anything. He just has to wear khakis and like your dad's shirt. And the crowd is so mad at him. Uh, he also had a great bit in this match where he complained to the ref about Claudio pulling his hair. Despite him having very little hair, it, it, it QT does it all. He he really he really does, and we have we have to continue to. I I think if we're if we're sort of getting ready to put together our end of end of year lists of of the sort of the most important dark wrestlers of the year QT pretty near the top if not at the tippy top of that list maybe I'll maybe I'll do something like that in in December some sort of end of the year I could do the best dark matches of the year and go through them but lord knows I'd have to do some research because I don't remember anything that goes on here after it happens but this would probably be on that list as, too, as well, which, again, it, it is not going to be made. It, 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 it's a lot of work. Unless, unless somebody wants to pay me to do it or something like that. Then, then hey, I'll, I'll look through old cage matches and arbitrarily say which ones I think I kind of remember liking. And that's your elevation. 
for this week. So some good stuff on there. Certainly like like to see Brian Pillman getting over. You you like to see Claudio doing his thing. And and you like to see uh, Emi Sakura and Mesurga doing a what they called a transformer move, but it was really more of a Voltron. If we're being the tra- very few transformers transformed t- into something together, it was mostly a a, a car turning into a, a a mech robot fighter of some sort. There there were a few that like you know you had the car and the truck and maybe like a a. a I don't know, like a a larger truck, and uh, and the th- the three of them turned into something together. But for the most part, it it was it, the the move resembles a Voltron. But I didn't make the move up. And guess what? I suppose when you make up a move that cool, you can name it whatever you want. And shout out, of course, to Daddy Magic saying that he wanted to put uh, uh, Emi Sakura on Canadian currency rather than Prince Charles. Had to make mention of that as well. Anyway, we move on to AEW Dark number 167. It is partially in Canada and partially in Florida. It's kind of a confusing dark in that regard felt a little bit like the 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 stage was getting warped between each each uh, match as if as if Taz and Excalibur were stuck in some sort of nether realm of of constant change also felt a little bit like that proposal where they were going to have the Tampa Bay Rays play half of their season in Montreal a lot of movement between Florida and Canada but anyway, we start out with the Canadian portion. Lance Archer defeats Isaiah Bronson in 3 minutes and 39 seconds. Look at this. Cage match has times for me for, for these matches. I guess if I just wait until the very last possible moment to record the show, I will always know how long the dark matches went. Everybody dies. I, it was nice to see a guy get dragged out and... and Beat the hell out of him. Isaiah Bronson. I could not tell you based on this match what he looks like because it was a lot of hair in his face the whole time. Getting thrown around. You don't want to mess with Lance Archer. And clearly nobody does because he's just been on Dark recently. And it's a great payday for him, I imagine, that he's just he just shows up, works a Dark match, Beats the hell out of somebody, barely takes a bump, uh, and then he goes off to catering. Gets to chill out, gets to do whatever he wants to do. I don't know. I, I, he's he's very religious man, so maybe he maybe he just spends the entirety of the television taping in solemn prayer. More power to you. I I completely support you, Lance Archer, in in your easy paychecks of just beating guys up, but eventually. Somebody should want to fight him, I think, right? Right. Like, when's when's the last time Lance Archer was on a pay per view? He was on Forbidden Door in the in the, I believe in the buy in, but I can't think of any other examples of him being on a pay per view. He should have a he he's he's fought 
champions. He's just never fought them on on the pay per views. I, I I would like to see Lance Archer get a chance to to fight to fight somebody in in some sort of a a marquee matchup. But I'm sure he's not complaining about how he's getting paid right now. Gets to throw some guys around and then solemnly genu- genuflect. Zach Clayton defeats Shane Saber in 3 minutes and 57 seconds. The crowd sure liked James, uh, Shane Saber. And part of that is probably just not liking Zach Clayton. Uh, but Shane Saber also, I, I kind of liked him. I thought he had an interesting look. I thought he tried his best against Zach Clayton, who is a very large man and is engaged to the Jersey Shore's Wow, and end of list of things about him. That's it. I, I, I don't... May, maybe there's something I don't see in him that makes him valuable to the future of of AEW. Maybe, maybe this is going to be a QT situation where I don't like him now, and and he just holds that position as a as a mid level heel for long enough that I grow to respect him. But he's not really doing it for me right now. But I, we don't count anybody out on this on this podcast. We try to be as positive as possible. But he is a as a as a real Jersey Shore resident. At one point, I, I was I, I, I born and raised right right in a in a taffy factory. Born and raised on just just. Went to school with the seagulls under the seaside boardwalk. That Albany, that Albany native is a fraud. Fraud. Athena defeats Alexia Nicole in 2 minutes and 51 seconds. This was similar to the one with, uh... What's her name? Jody Threat. Where... The, the locals got really behind Alexia, and they were not happy with Athena beating her. Uh, except here's the thing. Uh, Jody Threat is really good and compelling. And Alexia Nicole, I'm sure, is fine. I'm sure in, in the way that Canadians find things interesting and fun, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure she plays to some sort of Canadian... Sense, uh, sensibility that I just don't, I don't have, uh, I, I, I don't have any, any loon blood, and I don't have any, uh, hatred of, of, uh, indigenous groups, all, all those Canadian sensibilities, so I don't, I don't see it, and I don't, I don't feel it, and uh, Athena, she's the real deal. And I, I get it with Jody Threat. I do not understand how you could be in that crowd upset that Athena is beating Alexia Nicole. And and the American audiences get it because they do this all the time. They'll see some sort of undersized local talent get their ass kicked, 
by a known commodity, and if the known commodity tends to be a face, they will cheer for her. But they're, they're getting behind the, the wrong... You, you can't do it both nights. You gotta do it one... And they should have just stuck with doing it with, with Jody Threat because she's better. And I don't want to see Athena get booed. Unless unless that's the, the way they want to... Unless that's the direction they want to head in. Which... would re- It would require me to have a better sense of what the hell they were doing in the women's division in general. For me to argue whether or not that's necessarily good or bad. Danhausen defeats James Stone in 2 minutes and 18 seconds. I don't remember very much about this other than I like seeing Danhausen. He's a fun guy. It's Danhausen. What what kind of analysis do you want me to give on a Danhausen match? He still hasn't brought out the teeth. He he doesn't do the Pee Wee Herman dance. He He's still very nice and very evil. The, he it it makes the crowd happy to see Danhausen. Not a lot. Not a lot to. He only went for two minutes and eighteen seconds. Not not a lot to cover here. Aaron Solo defeats Serpentico. This one was kind of strange, the way that Aaron Solo got on the mic or asked Dasha to inform the crowd that QT was not here and he was not coming out in the middle of the match. So the crowd cheered. And then QT just came out later. I I guess they wanted to build some hype for, for the booing of QT. It's very unclear. But this was actually, it felt like, a less good use of QT Marshall because in this instance you had Solo and Serpentico fighting and the crowd was more interested in QT sucks chance so what like what what were you hoping to do here you you took all of the all of the attention away from the guys who the match was about. And even Luther, who was apparently Canadian, which I didn't know, but I I could I can surmise. Luther, the hometown guy, two other guys wrestling, and everyone's talking about how QT sucks. Does this help drive home my point that QT is a great asset to have on the roster in terms of generating the right thing? type of heat absolutely i'm always correct about things pretty exclusively it it's among the best reasons to listen to this podcast but in this instance i felt like it distracted a little bit and it left it left me with very little thoughts about aaron solo or serpentico in this match that actually went five minutes and 13 seconds that's actually it's the second longest match of this whole entire show. Uh, third longest. But we're leaving Canada now. We leave Canada to go down to Jacksonville, Daly's Place. I love watching matches at Daly's Place. It just feels so 
home like it it, it feels like I'm I'm back somewhere. It's obviously they had dark shows before Daily's Place, but that's that's really where it became what it is now. And and most of them did not have the same stage layout as the ones that they have there now do. But I I like I it's comforting to me to see wrestling happening in Daly's Place. I, I like the setup. I like the look. I like where the ramp is in relation to the stage. It's all good stuff. Uh, but Riho defeats Jungle Kiona in 5 minutes and 20 seconds. This was fun. I hope we see more Jungle Kiona. I hope we see more Riho because she's wrestling tonight. And it's always such... Such sweet sorrow. Uh, if I can get a little Shakespeare on you, parting is such sweet shut sorrow, is what Juliet says, and I would say that it's also sweet sorrow seeing the Joshi talents because you know that they're going to part soon, sometime. You never know; it could be at any any moment, and and without a a truly linear plan for the women's division, you never know. They could be there and then be gone for three months. You never know. But I do like Jungle Kiona. I hope we see more of her. I hope we see more of Riho. Go out of your way to watch this one. It's a good one. The Lucha Brothers defeat the Workhorsemen. Uh, This is also... We're still in Florida. I'll let you know when we leave. But... This was fun. I, I enjoyed this. I I thought that the Lucha Bros got to do their cool stuff, and the Workhorsemen got to keep up with them. This puts the Workhorsemen in that exclusive club of people who have lost twice in one week. It's not a common feat for tag teams, but they, they did it. Uh, and they also may have done it once before. I cannot totally keep track. Of, of of I I also thought this was going to be a pretty exclusive club when I st- first started noticing it, and now we're seeing a very long, a much longer list, uh, some two-time members certainly appearing. So it it's it's tough. It, it's it's not it's not what you what I originally thought, and that that kind of sucks to lose twice in back-to-back showings. It's like, hey, stay tuned to watch me, or tune in to watch me lose tonight. And then you have to do the same thing again the next day. you got to promote yourself knowing you're going to be shown getting your ass kicked twice in a row. But luckily, I mean, they got nothing to complain about because arguably, I think you could probably argue, I I probably wouldn't, but on, on both occasions, they put in high-quality matches. And and they did exactly what they needed to help the Lucha Bros look good and to help the uh, the blondes the night before. So we move on to Emi Sakura and Serena Deeb defeating Casey Spinelli and Taylor Rising. We are back in Canada. I hope you brought your passports because we are we crossed that border. Uh, that. They should have really. They should have checked you if you got to this far in the podcast, and and if if customs did not check you, I 
I don't know what to tell you. You might you might have some trouble getting back out because because you're supposed to you're supposed to check with them every time you cross. I've 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 got all my paperwork. I don't know what's wrong with you. Casey Spinelli and Taylor Rising uh Taylor Rising led to a terrorizing joke from from Taz uh which is just Taylorizing is better than terrorizing because Terra is not a real first name. Somebody terrorizing as a as a pun name was waiting for a Taylor or a Tara to take it, and instead it was used in a situation that it didn't really make sense and was very soon disregarded. Um, I know I know that's strange to think of 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 Paul uh, Paul Levesque. Uh, taking something that maybe somebody else could have done something better with or or uh, giving himself more than he really needs uh i know that that's a surprising thing for him to do but i think he might have done that with the name terrorizing casey spinelli and taylorizing though i would see both of them again for for certain i didn't i didn't think very much one way or the other about Emi Sakura and Sunadeem other than I think I liked both of them better on the I, I like I like Deeb as a single star and I like Sakura with with Saruga and it, and it made me want to see that move that they did again but I would I would see Casey Spinelli again Casey Spinelli's got like a like a a a, 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 a femme Italian toughy type of uh type of thing she's like kind of like a brawler but she's also wearing a lot of black and white i i, I liked her thing taylor rising just kind of seemed uh you know she had a little bit of that you know that spunk to her she, she i i would i would spinelli in particular especially spinelli was the largest person in this match and she did a great job of when Serena Deeb took her up for the for the detox, and Emi Sakura took her up for the one uh, that that then she drops her on her knee. I I can't think of what that's called, but she she got totally vertical and 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 she's she's a you know she's a bigger wrestler, and to, to do something like that takes a lot of core strength. And I would certainly like to see Casey Spinelli again, and maybe Taylor Rising. Uh, and I hope that they remember their passports uh, the way that some of our listeners are being detained right now. And that's a bummer. And then we finish with Ricky Starks defeating Nick Camarado uh, in 8 minutes and 47 seconds. Again, the most dull human beings uh, in that have wrestling opinions were upset about Ricky Starks being on Dark. Again, they were also upset about Claudio. The Claudio one is is beyond a stupid thing to complain about because he's going to be on Dynamite tonight. But the Ricky Starks one, okay, well he should probably they should probably have a plan for him that he he should have a larger plan. Maybe they needed a couple weeks to think about it. They haven't really given him anything to do since he defeated Hobbs, but. Somebody needing to be on dark 
for something like this for uh, an hour, what was part of an hour long taping, t- uh, an hour long TV taping, you know, that or, or hmm. let's find out. Was that an hour long TV taping? I think yes. It was an hour. It was it was the rampage tapings that this was part of, and having Ricky Starks appear on that isn't a sign that they've forgotten them. It's they've remembered how much the crowd likes to see them, and they wanted to give people their money's worth by giving them extra non-television content that would make them happy. They certainly have not lost sight of the fact that people like ricky starks and hopefully there's something around for him around the corner but who can say for certain and i hope that we get we we get ricky starks involved in something sooner rather than later i don't know if there's anybody who's particularly you know you know waiting for uh for a thing to do, he can only beat up on the factory for so long, as he did here. Uh, Nick Camarado, I, I happen to enjoy a lot. I think that Solo and Marshall may have distracted more than necessary from what could have otherwise been a pretty good back and forth between... Starks is already at a disadvantage fighting a behemoth like Nick Camarado. So the the extra stuff was a little busy that I could have used a few a few fewer distractions but overall seeing Ricky triumph over the factory and get up like he was going to do the Rochambeau and then instead just power bomb him it, it was exciting the crowd liked it if you're complaining about something being fun for the crowd and not on TV, you're a dweeb. But please, let's figure out something for Ricky to do. I I don't get paid again. As some sometimes if I if something easy comes to me, I'll blurt it out, but I do not get paid to come up with what they're going to do. I'm just here to remark on what they are doing and and predict what they're doing. And it's easy for me to predict when they give me some sense of what might be happening the weatherman predicts the weather but he looks at clouds and fronts and jet streams and uh tornadoes there there are weather things for them to look at and and it makes the job of a weatherman much easier when you can see those things for me sometimes there's some stuff that appears on my uh, doppler radar that's i believe that is a storm related uh, word but for the most part somebody like Ricky Starks you know I can't tell you when Hurricane Ricky is going to touch down because I don't have any data. They're they're keeping it keeping it under wraps. Yeah, that's 
I, I did not want to end this comparing Ricky Starks to a hurricane or the hurricane. Although I, I, I do like him, uh, but Ricky Starks has much larger potential uh, and is more like the rock, but the rock lost to the hurricane famously one time. So maybe, maybe it's a, a better comparison. Overall, we had some good stuff here, uh, and I am excited for tonight's Dynamite, and I hope you enjoy it, too. Uh, continue to listen, continue to tell your friends, and uh, tell Anchor uh, to give us some, some ads to read, because you did it. You got us to where we could be at reading ads right now. You could be learning about all types of things at the end of this podcast, but we need them to give them to us. But keep liking, keep subscribing. Keep listening and reach out to us on social media. Uh, thank you very much 